Hey there, friend. Welcome to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 130. Brian Del Turco here. Glad you're with us. I have something for you today that I believe is a prayer dynamic that you wish you would have known earlier. And I'm just saying this as a learning, questing practitioner in prayer and of this prayer in particular. This may be one of the top three prayers that you can pray. I believe it. It's found in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a city in Western Asia Minor in the New Testament world, modern day Turkey, city that's still there today, a very sophisticated church, a very advanced church in understanding and in practice, a strategic city set in the midst of false demonic worship and the true ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ there with revelation, with transcendent revelation. And this prayer in Ephesians 1 is so powerful. Ephesians, maybe along with Colossians, I believe, many Bible scholars consider the twin peaks of the New Testament, sort of the crowning jewel. I think some would say that Ephesians is the crowning jewel of the New Testament. Understand, my friend, a revelation is progressive in nature, even throughout the New Testament. Jesus told his disciples in the Gospels that it's expedient, it's to your advantage that I go, the Holy Spirit will come, the Spirit of truth. He will teach you, he will cause you to remember everything I've taught you. He will even teach you things that you're not ready for right now. He will show you things to come. Revelation builds throughout the New Testament and Ephesians could be considered, in some sense, the crowning jewel of the New Testament. Now, there is this prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 that I'm going to guarantee if you consistently pray it. Now, I don't know in what sense I can back up the guarantee. Normally, when you make a guarantee, you have the means, right, and the resources to back it up. I'm not sure in what sense I can do that. But you get my my point here. I'm saying that millions of believers have prayed this prayer in the two millennia, the 2,000 years since Paul wrote it. Paul himself prayed it. Prayers are eternal in nature. When you pray the word of God back to God, when you pray a, a potent prayer like this prayer in Ephesians 1 back to God, you're actually joining in a real sense in a prayer meeting with the Apostle Paul. You're joining with millions of believers, Christ followers, who have prayed this prayer since Paul wrote it. I believe Ephesians was written in prison. Think of it. He's in prison, not even like prisons today, much worse conditions. He writes this letter and it's going to be read by millions of believers throughout time. This prayer that he prayed is going to be recited, rehearsed, echoed by millions upon millions of Christ followers since he prayed it in that Roman dungeon, since he wrote it in this letter. I find it amazing. Prayers are set before God, the throne, as incense, and they're eternal in nature. There's nothing more creative that you can do than pray. Nothing. There's nothing more important than you and I can do but to pray. There's nothing more that bears fruit in your life more than praying God's word back 
to him. It says in Isaiah 55, God says, look, my ways and thoughts are above you as the, as the skies are above the earth, as the clouds above the earth. But as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bear and sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, God says, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. It will succeed in the matter for which I released it. It comes from God to the earth and back to the Lord. It's I see it in Isaiah 55 because he's talking about the rain and the snow. I see it as the water cycle that we know about in science. The rain and the snow come down. And then they evaporate or they, the water evaporates back up into the heavens or condenses. or and, and that's the water cycle. Well, the word of God comes to us. We have to take it in, unite it with faith in our heart. And I say, pray it and say it back to God. And that dynamic, it's not a water cycle. It is a supernatural cycle. You're streaming back to God, a stream of consciousness, his thoughts, his words, his design, his will. You're praying it back to him. There's nothing more fruitful that we can do than that. There's nothing more creative that we can do than to pray. There's no time more invested. I'm going to get to Ephesians 1, but there's no time in, in which we can invest ourselves with time and energy than the time of prayer that will yield more impact immediately, intermediate range, and long range. You see, down the line somewhere, when that opportunity presents itself to you, or that door is before you, or that challenge arises, or that mountain springs up, or that storm descends upon you and me, we want to have strong kingdom prayer equity in our tailwind. We don't want to be at a prayer deficit at that point. We want to be filled up with the oil of the Holy Spirit. Prayed up is an old school way, an old school way they used to say it. There's truth to it. It's tight, but it's right. Okay. Prayed up, word up, and we want to have those tailwinds both for positive opportunities and doors, as well as challenges that need to be overcome that the Lord will bring us through and transform us as we come through it. So, a little bit of an exhortation there for prayer. I'm going to tell you what's going to come against prayer right now. Distraction. I'm going to tell you something else that's going to come against prayer. You're going to feel fatigued. You're going to feel like so fragmented in your mind that you can't pray. You're going to feel like it's the hardest thing you've ever done at times. <laughs> you may feel like, I would rather be 200 years ago clearing a field of rocks with no power tools, it would be easier to do that than it would be to pray, to pray right now. There will be times when you will feel that way. Some of these, uh, fa this, this fatigue, I, I would call it phantom fatigue. You know, uh, these distractions that come, you know, um, I don't know if, if, if thoughts come to your mind that you got to do or something while you're praying, just quickly write it down and get it off your mind, off, offload it and, and get back to prayer or just be alert that, you know, what, the enemy of prayer is going to come up with this list, this incredible list of things that you got to do and try to distract you from prayer or get you out of prayer, anything to get you away from the word, to get you off your knees, to get you out of your private prayer closet, 
Jesus said, shut your door, go into your inner room in secret, and the Father who sees you pray in secret will reward you openly. How bad do you want what you know needs to happen? How intense is your desire for what you need? How persistent will you be? Because the phantom fatigue can go away. You can be infused with Christ energies as you press through that membrane of fatigue. You can be infused with a sincerity, which means like a singleness of mind, a purity of mind, and a focus, a laser focus, and you get into that flow state where time is suspended if you will press through distractions, press through the time barrier, press through. God rewards those who seek him diligently, it says in Hebrews. How bad do we want it? When you stand before the Lord on that day, when you stand before the beam of the judgment seat and you are appraised, what did you do with the investment of the second person of the Trinity who came in human flesh and died for us and gave us this inheritance and delivered us from the kingdom of Satan and translated us now into the kingdom of his beloved son. What did you do with the seed that the father invested into the earth? What did I do with it? Did we run our race to win it? Did we fight our fight to put the adversary on the canvas? Did we get him to tap out in our life? Or were we too distracted, too fatigued, too overextended to do the requisite prayer and word scripture intake, a word life, and walking with others who are doing the same and joining them in agreement prayer. This is what it takes, my friend, and it's so worth it. Someone says, I don't have time to pray. Listen, it's like exercise. I don't have time to exercise. Actually, exercise leverages time for you. It gives you energy and it prolongs your life. You don't have time not to exercise. I don't have time to pray. Even more important, prayer multiplies time. Prayer brings you will do more by you will do more right by accident if your word and your prayer life is at a level that pleases the Lord, a level requisite to run this race, to win it. You will stumble and fumble and bumble your way into things. Opportunities will come to you. You will have success when you shouldn't have success in the natural because you have the requisite word equity and prayer equity as a tailwind in your life. You're running with the wind of the Holy Spirit behind you. It's so much better to run your race to win it when you're not running into a headwind of prayerlessness and wordlessness, right? Okay, well, I won't be long, but Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, pick it up in verse 17. Paul is praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of the Lord. Pray this prayer over your life. Ask him daily. I'm serious. I want you to pray this prayer hundreds and thousands of times. This prayer will transform your life at the macro level and at the minutia level. Ask for a spirit of wisdom 
and of revelation in the knowledge of the Lord. I read it in my own devotions this morning. Proverbs 4 says, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing, archetypical thing, archetypical. Not sure how to pronounce that. In all you're, in all you're getting, get understanding. It says there in Proverbs 4, the wisdom will put an ornament of grace upon your head. It will reward you. So pray for a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, which means to uncover, to reveal in the knowledge of the Lord. This is a relational knowledge. This is a heart knowledge. The word knowledge is epinosis in the Greek. Epi is a prefix which intensifies the word knowledge, gnosis. But if you just read the context and you just understand what a spirit of wisdom and revelation is for, really, it's about knowing the Lord. It's not an intellectual, cerebral head knowledge of the Lord, just doctrine assenting to doctrinal truth only, but it's primarily an advanced, that's what epi, the, the prefix epi makes it, an advanced knowledge, a mature knowledge, like a man would begin to know a woman over time, like fine wine. Like a woman begins to know a man over time, like a fine wine. Somebody just told me yesterday that they met somebody and they're going to be engaged. They're going to be married within four months. They went from zero to, they're going from zero to being married in four months. I'm not saying that that can't be right at times, but my friend, generally all the practitioners, all the counselors and, and pastors would say, listen, Give it a year to two years, okay? Begin to know them. And you're going to be knowing them even more throughout your whole lifetime, but you better be knowing them enough to make that important decision. It takes some time, a heart knowledge of the Lord. In that heart knowledge of the Lord, my friend, is all the other knowledge that you need. Practical knowledge, solutions, answers, action steps, inventions, creative things. Uh, initiatives that are birthed are within, it comes out of that experience with the Lord. If you want the gold, silver, and precious stones, if that's how you want to build your walk with the Lord, 1 Corinthians 3, and not wood, hay, and stubble. I mean, if you want to run this thing to win it, if you don't want, if if you, as, as John would say in his letters towards the end of the New Testament, that we don't want to shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you want to boldly look towards his coming, boldly run to him and meet him and greet him at his coming. We must have a ongoing dynamic of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in our life. And within that relational knowledge comes all these concrete answers that we need. Wellness, money, relationship issues. Should I buy that house? Transportation, business, nonprofit causes, whatever it may be. What should I major in? Education. How should I train myself? How should I equip myself, right? What, what should I read? What's the next book I should read? God, what, what, what are the next three books you want me to read? What books do you want me to read this year? Do you know that if you read just the top, I think it's the top three books, maybe the top five, I think it's the top three books in any particular niche or field, 
you will be in the upper something like upper three or five percentile of all people on the planet in that field just by reading the top three books. Do you know how many people go to college and never read another book in their life? Isn't that amazing? I mean, as a book lover, I find that incredulous. I find it stunningly unbelievable. You know, who was it? Was it, was it, uh, I, I forget who it was, a famous person, but he said, you know, uh, something to the effect of, you know, if I have just enough money to, to eat and have clothes, I'm going to go buy books with it. Books were more important than food and clothing to him. All right. What can you do? The Lord will show you out of that heart relationship. He says, I pray that the hearts or the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Verse 18, so you would know and listen to the three things he lists here. The hope of his calling. Oh, man, do you need hope? Do you need that horizon of hope in front of you to be energized and lit up, underscored, highlighted? Hope of his calling. His calling is not boring to you. You've been sold a bill of goods. You've settled for a lie if you think that it is. You need to be reawakened to the hope of his calling, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the Lord, in that relational knowledge with the Lord, with our the eyes of our heart being enlightened, will make that horizon burn bright again, the hope of our calling. We all need a horizon to move towards. You have to be moving towards something. We're wired for it. If you're not, you become grouchy, miserable, depressed. Number two, he says that we would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the inheritance of the Lord in the saints. The Lord's inheritance is in his church. It's in the saints. And we need to pray that we would have an, a revelation and understanding of something of the riches of the glory of the inheritance of Christ that's in the people of God sort of a corollary here or sidebar, but I want to say some of what you need concerning the inheritance of in, in, in Christ, it's found in community with others. It's in the, not saint, you, but saints, plural, kingdom clusters, ecclesia, the church. And thirdly, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? true, authentic power, that we would know the surpassing greatness of his power that flows towards us who believe a spirit of wisdom and revelation in, or a spirit of wisdom and revelation, yes, in our relational knowledge with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would know the exceeding greatness of his power directed toward us who believe power for what powers to, power to make a storm stop power to move a mountain enough power to transform things enough power to make a way for the glory of the Lord to be revealed in that matter, right? Power moves things, power pulls things, power shifts and rearranges things. Power lifts things up and casts them into the sea, never to, be for, never to be remembered again, right? Power uproots things that need to be uprooted, the fig tree, cast into the sea. 
It comes with that prayer equity, that word equity. It comes with that say equity. What do I mean by say equity? Saying, whosoever shall say to this mountain and believe in their heart that what they say will happen, it will, it, it will happen. That's what Jesus said in Mark 11 when he defined what faith is. Have faith in God, talked about saying, then began to talk about praying, which is where the saying flows from. Understand authority and alignment. Understand the Roman centurion. Jesus said, I've not found such great faith with anyone in all of Israel except this Gentile Roman centurion, a leader of, of, of a unit of soldiers, I think 100 men, because this, this guy said, Lord, I too am a man under authority. I'm under the emperor and the chain of command. He said, I'm also in authority. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this soldier, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So just say the word, Jesus, and my servant who's lying paralyzed at home will be healed. You don't even need to come to my home. He said, I too am under authority. He recognized Jesus was under the authority of the Father. And because of that, he was in authority over everything. And that what he said would happen. Jesus defines that as the greatest faith he ever saw. That should speak to us that if we will get in alignment with the Father under his authority and then exercise dominion, exercise authority over all things on his behalf, on his bequest, through the power of faith-filled commanded speech, which is flowing from a built-up prayer and word equity in our life and a relational equity with Jesus, a union. This is all flowing out of the indwelling Christ within us. Saturate yourself in John chapter 15, 1 to, 1 to 8, abiding in the vine, his words abiding in us. We're being obedient to the Lord, and whatsoever we desire, we will have it, Jesus says. another. Tr- it's, it's almost an inconceivable promise. John 15, 1 through 8. But power, that we would know the exceeding greatness of his power directed to us who believe. If, you, if you'll read this prayer, and I would just pray it like that, Lord, that is, a, that is resurrection power. It says it's the same power that the Father exercised when he raised Christ from the dead. It's ascension power because it says, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And I would add, because being seated at the right hand is a coronation, it's called session, S-E-S-S-I-O-N. So resurrection power, ascension power over all things, and session power, the seating down, the sitting down of Christ at the right hand of the Father in authority over all things. You read the last few verses of chapter one, all things are under his feet. Everything, all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, that means now, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. What will we do with the headship of Jesus Christ that's been given to us? This is the Lordship of Christ. What will we, will we invite the leadership of Jesus into all things? Will we invite and facilitate the Lordship of Jesus Christ as King into every situation, every little nook and cranny in our sphere of influence, everything within our sphere of responsibility, our aegis, 
our span of control. Not here needs to be our attitude. Maybe out there in that road system, but not here. My wife and I just got back from a short trip to near Washington, D.C. to visit one of our daughters. And, but just before we left, I was having a time of coffee with a friend. And um, it's so practical, you know? I mean, it's like, if I can't control my backyard, what am I doing thinking about extending kingdom influence outward <laughs> into something much bigger than my backyard? If I can't control my backyard, right? If I can't keep the maintenance up on my vehicle, like brakes, you know, well, it, 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 it comes down to such practical issues. The Lordship of Christ proclaiming the excellencies of our God in all things. If I can't stop myself from eating those things, which I hate, myself after eating them, though I think I'm in bliss as I'm eating them, but it's really not bliss. It's a phantom bliss. And a nanosecond afterwards, I hate myself for having done it. And then I hate myself for having done it sometime after that when I have to lose that weight or, or get rid of that those toxins out of my body. If I can't even eat right, you see, living a life of excellence, the Lordship of Christ, spirit, soul, and body, the practical affairs of our lives, as well then as mission and assignment extending our reach outward, all things under the feet of the Lordship. What will we do with the headship of Jesus Christ over all things that's been given to us? What will we do on that day as we give an account and answer the Father? What did you do with the headship of my son in your life? What did you do with the headship and the Lordship of my son in relationship to the reach that I assigned for you to fill? See, these are all sobering questions that we need to ask ourselves to run our race, to win it, to fight our fight, to put down the adversary, to not shrink away from him in shame at his coming, to begin to live, you know, to hear to start, start hearing the music right now in your life. The joy, your joy will be made full, Jesus said. All right, that's the prayer. Ephesians 1, 17 and following, really going through 23. I would, I would recommend memorizing this passage so you have this prayer architecture just with you. Any, anytime, anywhere, you can call up this prayer architecture and use it as a template of prayer. Use it as a template of prayer. I, I would pray it at a macro level, just sort of as a, it's a bad analogy, but like a blanket insurance policy, just as a macro level over all things now and unknown in the future. I would also drill it down into the minutia of your life and pray it down into the micro level over specific at-hand issues, answers, solutions, breakthroughs, insights that you need, things that you need to see happen successfully, things that you're putting your hand to that need to prosper. I would draw down this prayer of the spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation and the knowledge of the Lordship of Christ, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Invite his leadership into it. Invite and manifest his lordship into it. This is all relationally based. It's the indwelling Christ within that you're releasing. This is not doctrinal head knowledge. It's not saying a prayer at a point in the past. This is a relationship in the now, in the moment that's on the grow with the Lord. John 15, this is abiding with him, the branch in the vine, so that what's in the vine 
the sap of Jesus, the life and spirit of Christ, the intelligence of Christ, the potential of Christ flows into you, the branch, and pops out in fruit. Same with me. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray a quick prayer for myself and my friend right now that you would help us to exercise this prayer architecture in our life. That you would build it into our life almost like DNA. That it would become ours. It would become second nature. It would become part of our stream of consciousness. We just think in this prayer architecture in Ephesians 1. We live and move and have our being in Christ in this prayer template. We can manifest the life and the reality of it anywhere. And we live from a place of equity on this prayer. We have built up equity, not a deficit, not a bankruptcy, but full account, full equity, full credit, moving in the full faith and credit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, manifesting the full faith and credit of the headship of Jesus Christ consistently, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, season by season, moving into new edges, new spaces, new places that you've called us to, expanding our garden, expanding our reach, all the while taking care of the domestic scene, taking care of our backyard. That level, Father, show us, inspire us, inform us to operate like a pro and not an amateur. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May we live lives that are worthy of the calling that we've received. Ephesians chapter 4. May we walk in a way that is worthy of that calling. May we, may we seek out those things that please you, Lord. Ephesians 4. May that be our quest. And in that, you said, the joy that you have will be made full. You will enter into fullness of joy. Fullness of meaning, significance, purpose. Thank you, Lord. Elevate us. Help us to find those that we can run with in this Holy Spirit. Place us within communities of faith, Lord, that are right for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love your story. We love your name. We love your fame. We want your story to be refracted through our lives, through our personal story in a new and fresh way. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for bearing with me on this, and I hope that it has inspired you and motivated you at some level. I'm a questing practitioner myself. I'm just saying, come along with me on the journey. I'm not coming from like some perceived place of arrival. Are you kidding? Anybody that kind of conveys that is kind of wrong. No one's arrived. We're all on a journey. It's just that May we have passion in our lives and may we be moving in the right trajectory on our journey, right? And moving towards the right horizon, the hope to which he's called us, the new heavens and the new earth that's coming. Let that backfill and backcolor our lives right now. Let the light and life and power of that age, which is to come, we start sampling it now. And in doing so, we are a witness of the king who's coming, who's bringing that to the earth. Amen. And this world needs us now. We are in such a time, such a time globally even, where your best story is needed. 
your highest self in Christ is being required by the father. You know, you're, the race that you're destined to win must be run. We have to be trained. We have to be brought up in the training and the admonition of the Lord and the discipline. To be a disciple of Christ, among other things, means to be disciplined, to be a learner, a pupil, to be coached under development. Praise God, to be coached up in the Lord. I know it's a daily thing. I know there's a fight for it daily. But you know, as we, I, I, I believe and I've had some wins and some losses. And so I know a little bit and I have this instinct that there's momentum to, to this thing, that as we seek to be consistent in this and apply ourselves in faith, there is a momentum, there is a continuity and it gets easier and it speeds up and we start getting closer to the speed of the spirit instead of the slowness of our carnality behind us. All right. Well, Brian Del Turco here, Jesus Smart, the podcast. Check out the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com slash, and I'm now going to invent the slug. We will call it dynamic prayer. Okay. jesussmart.com slash dynamic prayer. Go to the show notes page for that episode, and you can see a player there for this episode, other listening options, as well as perhaps some other links related to this theme a little bit of information about this episode episode 130 all right to learn more about the podcast go to jesussmart.com of course and remember jesus is brilliant we're not but he's making us smarter as we walk with him we're going to tap into something that even the world can't tap into the brilliance of jesus christ i appreciate you talk soon mm-hmm.